0: Sin acknowledges and pays respects to the owners of the land, the house of Sin and the studio stands, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin also acknowledges and pays respects to the elders and traditional owners of the land our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. sporting news, reviews and previews. This is the Sports Desk.
1: Welcome, welcome to the Wednesday edition of Sports Desk on Sin. I'm Jacob and today I'm joined by Tom. How I- are we? I'm very well
0: this morning. Jacob, how are you doing on this misty, foggy Melbourne morning? Oh, it's a bit chilly, but it's all right. Yeah, I don't mind it, honestly. All right. And today we've got a bunch of cricket to talk
1: about, the AFLW and netball. Um, before that, we'll lead into um, uh, cricket. So the yes. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> no, that's all right. So the Cricket Awards were um, just... Uh, just couple days ago, actually. But they were. So the Cricket Awards happened on Monday night, and originally known as the Allen Border Medal, you know, mm. to gets its name after the Brownlow Medal, the AFL's uh, night of nights shall we say. But yeah. uh, now that uh, women's cricket is on the up, uh, they're trying to involve them more in the night, and so it's just become the Australian Cricket Awards. As it should. As it should, absolutely. Now, the big winner from Monday night was David Warner, who took home the main prize at the Allen Border Medal. He won by one vote ahead of Steve Smith. And uh, a lot of people are actually quite unhappy about it, Jacob, because he didn't have the best ashes. He scored 95 runs, averaging... 9.5. Yeah, 9.5 single digits. But uh, he did really well in the World Cup. Uh, He was also named the international T20 Australian player of the Mm. year, so he did well there. And, of course, he had that magnificent summer here in Australia where he scored 335 not out against Pakistan. And I think Warner himself has even taken the back at the fact that he did win. I I honestly think it's... um,
1: He probably shouldn't, Uh, with Steve Smith and Pat Cummins and so many other amazing players at the moment Mm. um, and him having a a less than amazing um, last couple... Uh, runs with the 9.5, and also wondering if it's too, um, I guess, if the Sandpaper Gate
0: incident is too fresh in our minds. I think that's where a lot of the criticism is coming from, the fact that this happened a little over 22 months ago now. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's coming up on the two-year anniversary, and people still think that, well, there are a select number of people anyway who think that David Warner shouldn't be part of the team because of that very... Incident, and you've also got to remember it was Pat Cummins who polled third uh, with uh, what was it, yeah, 185 votes overall, and he was also recently named the ICC's Test Player of the Year. Mm. So you've got to wonder what the Australian team saw in Dave Warner that the ICC panel didn't. It, it's hard to say. I um, part of me wonders if it's the the name value.
1: It's um, possible, but being one, uh, being a one vote win. I feel like that rubs it in a little bit harder if you weren't expecting it. Even True. Warner, uh, as you said, wasn't expecting himself. I've got a quote from him here, um, and I quote, I had an absolutely horrendous ashes. I didn't think I was really a chance. Hmm. And, I th- again, I think that really shows he's, he's had an all right season, pretty good season, actually, throughout the rest of the year. But that last run throws it off, and I feel like it could have gone to someone who was more consistent who also being really good. I personally mm. think Pat Cummins.
0: Mm. You've, we've also got to acknowledge, though, that the Allen Border Medal, it's not voted on by your peers or by Cricket Australia staff like the other awards are. Mm. It's voted on by numerous people. So it's voted on by the umpires, it's voted on by the coaching staff, the players, and also by the media. They also have a role in that. That's an interesting one to have the media in there. I mm. feel like I feel like it's an interesting one
1: with people talking about it being too soon... Um, from uh, again from Sandpapergate and him having that pretty bad ashes, mm. and the media having an influence. I I do I'd love to know. Um, I guess how many votes came from each source? Um, the media source would be really interesting because the media is
0: blowing up right now. And yes, um, really taking him to town. Yeah, so I think their money might have been on Pat Cummins mm-hmm. <laughs> for the top prize there. Now, as for the secondary prizes for the men's competition, Marnus Lambertian took out the Test Player of the Year. He polled 25 votes ahead of Smith with 22 and Pat Cummins with 19. Mm. So, interesting there. In the ODI Player of the Year, it was taken out by the captain, Aaron Finch, with 38 votes, followed by Usman Khawaja with 33 and Dave Warner with 24. And as I mentioned up the top there, Dave Warner won the International T20 Player of the Year. And he was ahead of Glenn Maxwell's 16 votes and Kane Richardson and Steve Smith, who were tied on eight. Kane Richardson is a bit of, su- of a surprise, honestly. He had an all right ashes. Yeah, he, he did. He had an okay uh, tour over in England. But um, yeah, he's not really uh, firing. Up. He, he, I mean, you hear about him a lot in the domestic competition, but you mm. don't really hear a lot about his international successes. I feel like it's um, that might be a lot more
1: staff and. Um, mm coaching, starting to look at him and go, hey, this is someone who might be doing a little bit more backstage, mm. uh, that kind of thing. But um, I, I also think they might see a lot more in him in the next couple of years, which definitely keep an eye on it. Uh, for sure,
0: yes. Now, as for uh, the female winners, it was Elise Perry who took out the Belinda Clark Award, which is the female equivalent of the Allen Border Medal. Mm. Uh, I think the women's domestic t Twenty. Winner was, oh, I've lost her name here, uh, Molly Strano. There yes. we are. So she plays for the Melbourne Renegade. She's had an absolutely amazing summer. Uh, she will probably be my second favorite player behind Sophie Molyneux. Yeah, so, yeah I, I'd go there. Um. So who are the other winners of the night, Jacob? Okay, so the Betty Wilson Young Cricketer of the Ward went to
1: uh, Taylor Vlemic, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. We then had the Hall of Fame induction uh, yes. was Craig Dermont. Craig uh, McDermott.
0: McDermott, yes. So fast bowler did a lot of work with Merv Hughes back in the eighties mm. and nineties. He's now the bowling coach of Australia. And there was a funny uh, moment there where um I think it was Tim Lane, he referred to an incident Tim Lane was hosting the event, he referred mm. to an incident where Alan Border had a like a verbal spray at Craig McDermott on the field which was picked up by all the microphones. Oh, they're always funny. Yeah, yeah. And uh <laughs> Uh, Craig was asked what that was about, and he just tried to play it off. So, like, oh, yeah, we were arguing over where to eat dinner that night. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it like, yeah, nice try, Craig. You're not fooling anyone. But, uh, yeah, um, so we've also got here Wes Agar was the Bradman Young Cricketer of the Year. He's played yeah. in Victoria. He's also uh, He also had a good summer with the Adelaide Strikers in the mm-hmm. T20 competition. Another uh, Hall of Fame induction uh, in mm-hmm. Sharon Trude. Yes, uh, Tradea, tr- tr- I that's think that's it. how you pronounce it. it wasn't 100% there sure. uh, the men's domestic player of the year was Sean Marsh, who again was playing for the Renegades. Yep. Uh, the women's international T20 player of the year was Alyssa Healy, and she also won the women's ODI player of the year. So yeah, she—I think she might have just missed out on the Belinda Clark Award there. Ah, uh, uh. it's a shame, but
1: um, I can't imagine she's walked away. Um... Disappointed in any manner, she's walked away with two other prizes. She
0: has walked away with two other prizes. Sin, where young people run the show. This is The Sports Desk with Jacob and Tom on a Wednesday morning. We're going to go into more cricket news now because it's time to talk about all the women's matches that are coming up. And there is one happening today, Jacob. Yeah, so the the Tri-Series
1: Final at uh, Junction Oval... Uh, 1pm, it's uh, in a couple hours, actually.
0: It is. It's in a couple of hours. So, yeah, it's kind of strange that they're having it in the middle of a day, in the middle of the week. You know, because the last two tournaments have both taken place over weekends. Uh, Last weekend, it was taking place at the Junction Oval in St Kilda, the weekend before in Canberra. But, and now the final is going to be on a Wednesday?
1: The, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really weird decision because um, you've got to imagine
0: the turnout, at least the live turnout, is going to be notably uh, smaller. It is going to be smaller. And we're going to say this again. We've been saying it every week for the past two weeks. You know, take the kids out of school. Like, take them along to the they'll game. Enjoy they'll enjoy it. They will enjoy it. It'll be much more fun for them than school will. And they'll get to see <laughs> absolutely th- th- just like top class cricket. Yeah, I mean... The best it, female players in the world. Without a doubt. It's uh, definitely worth checking out. This is a final. It's um, There isn't room for error. There is no room for error at all. Now, I just want to uh, tell our listeners how we came to this uh, final. It, it was the uh, T20 International Tri-Series, so much like the men's cricket of old, it had Australia up against uh, English and Indian female teams, now, the overall standings were this. Australia were on top. They won two matches, lost two matches. India came second. They won two matches. They lost two matches. And England came in third place. They won two matches and lost two matches.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's an amazing little bit of uh, <laughs> it, it is, <laughs> circumstance. It is
0: bizarre. So, yeah, I mean, when... Australia played England in Canberra. They did have to go to a super over, mm. which they did did lose. Uh, but on the game on Sunday, which took place just before the charity match, Australia won against England convincingly, hence why they've been promoted or rather uh, headed straight through to the final with India. Mm. Interesting to see that it comes down to... Um
1: That, after what I can only imagine, would have been a bit of a heartbreak for the uh, English women's team. It
0: it would have been, yes. Now, what's your prediction, Jacob? Do you think that India is going Um, to topple the Australians, or do you think that the Australians will have the home ground advantage and take home the top prize? I'm going to be a little patriotic here and say that I think we've got this. Yep. Um, Everything seems to be leading to us being the favourite a Hmm. little bit. I I was pretty confident uh, a couple of weeks back when the Tri-Series started, but looking at it now, I'm just thinking, uh, and you've also got to remember that there's a T20 World Cup about to happen, hence Mm. why they're having this Tri-Series now, and a lot of teams are preparing for that in the form of warm-up games. Now... This is one thing that really baffles me as well. So we've got the Tri-Series final today, so mm-hmm. all or nothing. And then later in the week, on, on Saturday, in fact, Australia will be playing the West, West Indies, Indies yeah. female team in a warm-up game at Allen Border Field in Brisbane. I, I so, feel so, like- so pretty much as soon as they... Uh, well, pr- let's assume that they do win. As soon as they win, they're going to go out, celebrate, and then the very next day they're going to have to get on the plane and get to Brisbane to play this warm-up game.
1: Yeah, it's not going to leave them
0: with, um, I guess, too much room to uh, relax getting into the warm-up games at least. No, it's not, not going to um, leave them any room to relax at all, Jacob. You're quite right. Now, as for the other matches that are happening we've, on the... Monday, no, sorry, on the Sunday, beg your pardon, Sunday the 16th, we've got uh, Bangladesh and Thailand also playing on the Allen Border Field. In Adelaide, Sri Lanka and South Africa will be playing. And uh, later, okay, we've got two games happening at uh, each of the venues by the looks of it. So after the game against Bangladesh and Thailand, we have India going up against Pakistan at the Allen Border Field. And then... In Adelaide, at the Karen Rolton-Oval, we have England going up against New Zealand. Hmm. Interesting week for a weekend, even. It's going to be a very interesting weekend, indeed. And then, of course, after that, the proper Women's 2020 World Cup will kick off. And the first game is against India. So, Australia have been playing India a lot recently. And that is on the 21st of February, which is next Friday. You've got to
1: wonder if um, any fatigue will uh, start to play into effect for either team, given that you know they're playing a final, and then they're going into the warm-up games mm.
0: with all the travel involved. Yeah, I imagine that there will be some fatigue among the team. I mean, especially when you consider that this Monday, Monday just being, they also had an awards night. Yeah. So, it's, it's just been non-stop celebrating for them, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> Sin,
1: on your radio, on your TV, and online at syn.org.au. You
0: just heard there Alan Joe Johnson's 2019 rendition of Come On, Aussie, Come On, because our women's team needs all the support they can get, Jacob. Yes, get behind them, get them going, and. Um... Yeah, if you get the chance, check them out, uh, see if you can see them live. Yes, remember, you can take your kids out of school, it's totally fine. Bring them along to the game, they'll enjoy it. (laughs) They'll love it. They will. This is the Sports Desk with Jacob and Tom on a Wednesday morning. Of course, you can follow us all through social media, at Sports Desk SYN. We've got our Facebook page, get in touch with us through there. We post our podcast on there as well, so yeah, you'll never miss a beat. Never, ever. Now, one thing I did miss before in our last segment was the news that the upcoming Women's T20 World Cup, uh, they've got to change with the front foot rule, Jacob.
1: Yes, so the the TV umpire Mm. is given a lot more, um, I guess... uh, Authority. Authority, that's (laughs) the word. Um, So they will watch the front foot and they'll make the decisions based on the front foot and pass that on to the field umpire, Mm. which um, I feel like it's an interesting decision and it... uh, it does give the field umpire a little bit more room to breathe.
0: It does, absolutely, because one of the reasonings that ICC made for the change, that's the International Cricket Council, was that the field umpire was forced to look for the front foot no ball and then move their eyes to, you know, tracking LB or Mm. what have you at the other end where the batsman is. And during the past two Australian summers, there has been criticism about the umpires failing to call front foot no balls. Because, especially during wickets, because they've had to, you know, go up to the third umpire and say, hey, was that a front foot? Can you check? And, uh, of course, it has been <laughs> on many oh, occasions.
1: Yeah, no, this, this should lead to uh, smoother games, uh, but just outright better umpiring yeah. and, I guess, less um, talking,
0: uh, talking, uh, less uh, flack for... Mm. Cricket in general. And of course, it gives the TV umpires something to do rather than, you know, (laughs) wait for, you know, the on field umpires to go, you know, the square signal. Mm. I I was visualising that in the studio, and then I realised that radio is an oral medium. Whoops. (laughs) Okay, uh, we've got more cricket news as well. Uh, Jacob, do you follow the Sheffield Shield? Uh, No, I don't actually, however. And and you would be in line with 90% of people in Australia, would be my guess, because no one else takes any interest in this form of the game.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's not one we hear about often, and I feel like it falls into a bit of an awkward spot being so close to the footy season and at the end of
0: the women's season as well. Hmm. So the Sheffield Shield is basically the domestic test competition Mm. that the Australian states play in. Uh, So we've got New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, Queensland, Western Australia, and Tasmania. They did play just before the Australian summer started, or rather before the Big Bash League started, mm. and now they're going to get back into the swing of things. Now, there have been six games played so far. At the moment, New South Wales is on top with five wins and one draw, which is remarkable in this mm. form of the game. Uh, sadly, Victoria is on the bottom. They have not won any games. They've had two draws, three losses, and one no results. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a shame to uh, see us down there. Well, there was a game um, earlier in the season, I think it was the very first one, against South Australia, where the, essentially both teams batted themselves out of the game. <laughs> so they made these preposterously high scores as, mm. as the batting teams, and then the bowlers were unable to bowl them out. So by the end of the fourth day, there was absolutely nothing that anyone could do. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so uh, as for the matches...
1: Uh, yeah, we've, we've got... got- Yeah, go ahead, Jacob, sorry. We have three coming on Valentine's Day, uh, Friday. Mm -hmm. We have the uh, New South Wales team versus the Victorian team uh, at the SCG. Mm -hmm. We have the South Australians versus the Western Australians at Adelaide Oval.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, We have the Queensland team versus the Tasmanian team at the Gabba.
0: Okay, so we've got uh, all the teams playing at the big test venues. That's good. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh, good to see them there. And yep. the last uh, game we have. Uh, so uh, that's n- the following week, I believe. Uh, yeah, well, the last one I have written down here yep. anyway mm-hmm.
1: is uh, on the 24th. We yep. have Tasmania versus the Western Australian
0: team at Bloodstone Arena. Okay, so that is uh, the corporate name for Bell Revival. That's, that's the, the one. one. Uh, so, these games will run over four days. So, they'll run from Valentine's Day Friday through to the Monday. So, yeah, if you've got um, nothing to do on Valentine's Day, you know, head along to the Sheffield Shield, I guess. Yeah. Or even if your partner's really into cricket, you know, bring them along. You know, it could be a romantic day out. Get them the out. Sheffield Shield. Always good to get more uh, more eyes on the game. Absolutely. And if you can't make the games, uh, I think you can stream it on the cricket.com.au website. This is Sin Media. You are listening to The Sports Desk with Jacob and Tom on a Wednesday. It's time now to throw to some AFLW news and potentially some AFLM news, Jacob.
1: Yeah, so, uh, Steve Hocking um, recently put out the idea of naming the men's uh, competition the AFLM series, Mm. which would obviously um, mirror the AFLW series. Now the afl itself has stated that it uh, has no plans hmm. to actually change the name hmm. what do you think um, of the name would you do you, do you like it do you think
0: that um, we should just keep it to afl or well i'm all for changing the, the name of it but i think at the moment uh, aflw it's still an emerging competition and it's not quite on the same level as the men's league, like the traditional yeah. AFL league. So I think that once uh, the women's competition hits its stride and we get some real high-quality uh, games out of them, then maybe we could consider changing the name. But I think for the time being, the AFL is just fine being the yeah, AFL. Yeah,
1: I-, I pretty much agree with that. Mm. I think the only change I'd even consider making would be maybe removing the W from AFLW, mm. having both called AFL, just to bleed them into each other a little bit better. That's not but, a bad um, idea, actually. The problem with that, then, again, is uh, having the seasons overlapping mm. would cause quite a bit of confusion. Well, well,
0: maybe it might be good to have the seasons overlap, though, because you could have a... Like what they did with the Big Bash uh, two seasons ago, you could have uh, the women's games as the warm-up, and then you mm. could have the men's games on after that. So, like, have a double header. Yeah, I could see that. It would m- definitely help the women's game with yeah. um, getting their audience. And
1: one thing they've had a bit of issue with uh, recently was tickets... Yes, um, tickets
0: is an issue. There was a, a there was a opinion piece put out in ABC News just recently about how a lot of people were turning away from the game because they couldn't find out where to buy tickets. They had no idea that the games were free. Yeah. Like, like, so we should say this, listeners, all of the AFLW games are free. There is no cost involved. You can just turn up at the ground and provided they got seats, you will be able to see a quality that's, game
1: of AFL. I think that's the biggest thing as well because mm. it's uh, international people coming over. They might not be used to the idea of a free sporting event True. on such a level. Uh, for example, like college... Um, Football in America mm. isn't free. No. Usually, that's cost uh, that's cost worthy. Mm. Um, and again, with with the uh, lo- uh, lockouts, eventually, mm. that does drive people away. It does like drive people away. Cause... The Colton game, for example, people were lining up at six mm. just to get in, and are we st- are they still got locked out. And I think that issue would honestly be solved by tickets, even if they're really cheap. Or even... You can still do free again, just book them ahead of time.
0: That's true, yes. Um, but the issue in that is you've got so many people booking those free tickets and then eventually they, you know, just sell them on the black market, you know? Uh, I mean, I see that, definitely. But this is something that uh, I feel like the Women's uh, League
1: is going to start to struggle with as it gets bigger and bigger, mm. is you cannot just have first-come, first-served mm. to the games. You're going to eventually start to... uh have these rural um, stadiums that can't hold anywhere near what you want them to hold. That's
0: true. And you need a contingency plan in place when that happens. I know for the original AFLW season, the very first game they played, they uh, had it so that they had projectors outside the ground so that people could watch the game and Mm. be part of the atmosphere even if they couldn't be in the ground itself. And I think that the AFL needs to consider doing more things like that. And as you said, Jacob, like... When they go to the the rural games, they need to consider that you know this is like a really popular sport, and they need to think about how many people are turning up, who's turning up, and uh, what happens when they you know run out of space. Oh, without a
1: doubt, I still think that tickets might be worth looking at for this uh, series, even if they're just really cheap, like a five dollar ticket.
0: Well, I made this argument actually on the Sports Test podcast a couple of years ago that, you know, even if it's a like, very minimal cost, there needs to be some cost in there yeah, so it, that the players can be, you know, reimbursed. I know that the AFL is putting a lot of money into this game, but I think that. It'd be ha- nice for them yeah. to get some money back from it, too. Yes, exactly. That's right. And by having ticket prices, I mean, you know, everyone loves free stuff, but, you know, I, I think given that a lot of these women, th- this is a full time profession for exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah, like, much like the men, you know, they have to train the Nine to five. They have to go into the club. They and then in the off season they have to, you know, train still, train harder. So well, I mean, one thing I'd like
1: to see. Uh, j- this is going on to another topic too, mm. but um, because th- they had recently with the expansion, Richmond, St Kilda, West Coast, and Gold Coast, mm. that money coming back in from ticket sales could go into training, uh, and help with these newer teams coming in. Because, for, for example. All of these new teams that came in, they lost pretty badly, with the exception of
0: Gold Coast. Yeah, Gold Coast, who lost by a single point uh, to the uh, Greater Western Sydney Giants, who won with a score of nine. That was a good game Mm. to watch, but um,
1: for those who don't know, it is the lowest aggregate score uh, for the AFLW as of yet, Mm. and... People have always complained about the low scores for AFLW.
0: That's no exception. Yeah, that's just adding ammunition to their arguments, isn't it? Now, coming back onto the issue of costs, though, uh, Jacob, how would you feel if at the the gates of every venue that played an AFLW match, you were to, say, contribute a gold coin donation of some sort before you could enter the ground? Is that something you'd be open to?
1: Yeah, I I think that's a great idea, actually. Mm. A a gold coin donation... Mm. I feel like it adds a bit of a legitimacy feeling to the actual game because, one, you do have to pay for it. It doesn't feel like it's a a sideshow to the AFL, uh, the men's season
0: anyway. And when you consider the absolutely ludicrous cost you have to pay for a regular premiership season game... I feel like it does definitely uh, hinder the AFLW
1: not to have any sort of cost Mm. in total. And I think it worked for maybe the first two years, but Mm. after that they needed to start looking at putting small costs in maybe booking tickets ahead of time. There are so many problems that are avoided by this and so many things that are helped by doing this.
0: Absolutely, there are. And um, you made the point just before, Jacob, going back again, about uh, the newer teams and the low-scoring games. Do you think that could potentially uh, damage the AFLW's credibility? Uh, the low-scoring games? Mm. Well,
1: that's that's been the issue since the start. However, I think it was round four last um, season, mm. they started to prove that when you get these teams that are better, starting to get better and more skilled, uh, like Carlton and uh, Collingwood, for example, Mm. um, they start getting up there. I remember that round having three games with an aggregate of over 50 um, Mm. each, and people were starting to turn around and go, oh, hold on, if we can get more of this, people might turn up. And I think the biggest thing they're struggling with right now, again, this is um, the training issue, because I think the expansion has happened probably a little bit too quick, Mm. There haven't been enough, um, I guess, not to say not skilled, but people on the same level as the players who have played for the last three years. Mm. And I think that's starting to show a little bit and will probably show a little bit more this season. I wouldn't be surprised to see um, the newer teams finish uh, at the bottom of both brackets.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's more than likely the case there. But, you know, they are. this is their first season in the competition. Yeah. They're only going to grow from here. Oh, without pro- provided a Provided that they've got the right coaching staff and they've got the right funds and they've got the right support then, yes, they can potentially go all the way. That's the idea. I mean, we've seen that in the men's competition. Like, the West Coast Eagles, they won their first premiership within three or four years of entering the competition. I mean, GWS, how, how close have they been, and they only came in during the decade? Yeah, that's quite right. So, yes, it is possible, listeners. It is possible.
1: Sin, on your radio, on your TV, and online at syn.org.au.
0: Welcome back to the
1: Sports Desk on the Wednesday edition. I'm Jacob, and I'm joined by Tom. Hello. Uh, And now we'll be talking about the netball season, and the biggest story coming out of uh, this week is the sacking of Lisa Alexander.
0: That is correct. So she's been the coach for the past uh, how many years now? Uh, I'm looking at... She was for 102 test matches, winning the 2015... There we are. Up. I'm just reading my notes now. Eight years. Eight years. Eight she's years. been the coach of the Australian Diamonds. That's, of course, the name given to the international netball yeah. team. And the decision was made this week to not renew her contract. It's a bit sad. Um, she's uh, said that
1: she'd love to uh, extend her contract um, and continue on coaching the team.
0: Hmm. Um, so Act- they've announced that uh, mid-year they'll announce a new coach... Mid-year. Okay, that's interesting. Her last game will be on the 1st of March, and then, uh, yeah, we don't know what happens after that. It's really interesting Mm. that they come to this decision only now, though. I mean, yeah, yeah, she's won 81% of the games that she's coached, and she's had a lot of success, but I think what uh, has led to this decision has been the team's inability to perform at the very top. Like, so when it yeah. comes to championships and things like that, because during the 2018 Commonwealth Games, which were on the Gold Coast, I've completely forgot about them. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah, completely passed us by. So they played England and they lost in that final. And just last year in the Netball World Cup, which was held in England, they lost to New Zealand, our arch rivals. It's a shame, really, but um, it does kind of make sense that uh,
1: if they can't hit that peak, it might be worth trying something new. Mm. And she's had eight years, and she's done well for herself, definitely.
0: She's done very well. And it's also worth noting that the last time Australia lost a Netball World Cup was in 2003, before Mm. then. Which begs the question, Jacob, is it that the other teams around the world have become so dominant in the sport that they've just caught up to Australia? Or is Australia actually falling behind? Are we, you know, starting to lose our edge, so to speak? I feel like it's the uh, first uh, Mm. option there. Mm. I feel like the world
1: is getting better and starting to Mm. see netball as a uh, much more, not reliable, but Mm. important sport um, with, I guess, the growth over the last um, two decades Mm. of women's sport Mm. and netball being a very predominantly women-played sport.
0: Yes, and in its home country of England as well, it's not as popular i mean mm. in places like australia new zealand south africa it's very popular with women because it's seen as like the antidote to rugby and yeah. afl and all, you know, and even in like country victoria you see a lot of teams the men will play football and then their wives and girlfriends and whatnot will play netball on the side i think that it's,
1: it's interesting to see because i reckon a lot of that is um has moved over mm. into a professional prof- career which mm. is great to see but, yeah, I definitely think that the teams uh, surrounding us are definitely getting better. Mm. Uh, New Zealand, of course, must uh, must be doing really well for itself if mm. it's beaten us. Absolutely. Um, and, like, yeah, there's not much I can really say other than it's just getting better worldwide, which is mm. a great thing for the
0: sport. Yeah, and another thing we should probably point out as well is domestically the netball competition hasn't been doing so well because it's been yeah. switching between uh, TV networks. It was on... Uh, SBS at one stage and on Channel 10 and then it moved across to Channel 9 and I th- think it's still there. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, it's
1: mm. kind of struggling. Yeah. That
0: isn't. And yeah, it's gone through two separate, re- two or three separate revamps now. I mean, we had the original domestic competition and then we sort the of revamped one where the Melbourne teams, the Phoenix and Kestrels merged together. And then we had the Trans-Tasman competition, and now we've got the Super Netball League where the football clubs are involved. I mean, it's just really difficult to keep track of where the domestic game is at these oh, days. Oh, without a doubt. I, I
1: Honestly, I didn't know there was a domestic um, league uh, until uh, Collingwood put in a team for yes. the uh, Super League. And that's not a good sign because I do know netball exists. And coming out of, like, for high school students especially, netball is something that you know it's definitely there it's one of the more popular sports because it is as you said it's the an- uh, antidote to rugby and the more tra- traditionally hmm. masculine sports hmm. it is there it's just i think it needs to be
0: advertised in a similar way to what the tennis was we've a couple o- of years ago, uh, for sure. We've also got to acknowledge as well that it plays during the winter, the netball mm. super league, and it's having to compete with AFL, NRL, and the uh, rugby union competition. Yeah, it's not mm. it's not in a great place to uh, really succeed. No. So we've got to wonder then uh, how that the Australian netball scene can uh, sort of lift itself up. I mm. could
1: only suggest maybe trying to move the season a little bit. Okay, but. That comes with so many logistical problems. I think mm. your best time would be either, well, probably just about grand final time. You know, catch all these sports starting to, uh, you know, wrap up. Okay. Give people an option to, you know, check out this sport. I know the sport you usually follow has just finished. Mm. Uh, for myself included, I, I find myself usually dipping in and out of sport mm. a lot more
0: once the AFL season is done. So, you think maybe that October, November period is a good time to get people on board with netball? Yeah, I Mm. definitely think so.
1: It it makes sense for it. And it would, I understand it probably start to um, compete a little bit with cricket, Uh which that's okay though, because netball is a faster paced game. For those who don't enjoy cricket uh, and think maybe it's a bit slow,
0: this is a good alternative in allowing them to um, find a game that runs pretty quickly. No, that, that's not a bad thought there, Jacob. And just to recap that news that we had there, Lisa Alexander, the coach at Australian Diamonds, will not be uh, in the position after March, as her contract will expire, and the Netball Australia Committee are uh, currently in the process of finding a new coach to replace her. So, mm. yes, well, still, congratulations, Lisa. You've had... the uh, Good Great career. career, yeah. Great career. You should be very proud of yourself. And I think that, yeah, the game is all the better for her input.
1: Yeah. All we can really do is uh, wish her the best, and maybe she'll pick up
0: um, another coaching role somewhere. I'm sure she will. Yeah. If not domestically, then overseas somewhere. And that is just about all we have time for here on the Wednesday edition of the Sports Desk. I'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning in and joining Jacob and I this morning. We will be returning next Wednesday, and of course the sports sports desk is also on Fridays from nine and Mondays from nine as well so we've got the Friday to sort of give us a primer for the weekend sport and then the Monday to catch up on everything that happened and Jacob and I are in the middle just you know catching anything that happens during the week that's exactly right